good. Come on. Hey, if it's your first time at Glory City, you've come to a good church. Um, my name's Andrew. I preach all over the world and I always come home. <clears throat> no offence to all the churches that uh, may listen to this because it's being recorded and streamed and all that. I always come home and I go, oh, that was amazing, but it was no Glory City. <laughs> oh, I just love this church. Hey, I love this family. It's such a brilliant church. So if you're new, you're visiting, just know that you've, uh, you've hit the jackpot. People don't know it yet, but this is the greatest church on planet Earth. It's called Glory City Melbourne. So come on. Hey, um, I'm going to pray. Jesus, we just love you so much. We're so thankful for this morning. We're thankful for family. We're thankful for what you're doing. We're thankful for who you are. We pray that you would speak today. We pray that you would come and you would have your way. We thank you, God, that you love every single person in this room so much. We thank you, God, that you've got plans and purposes for all of us. We thank you, God, that whether it's Africa or Aldi, there are people that need Jesus. They desperately need Jesus. And so we thank you, God, for the hope that is in so many of us here today. And we pray, God, that as you call, we would listen and we would respond. Would you speak today in Jesus' name? Amen. Oh, so excited about Brooke going to Africa. That's so exciting. Um, yes. So at the, so the end of today, um, I just encourage you to grab some more information and to, to chat to Brooke and to get behind her. Um, stepping out in faith is something that the Lord asks us all to do all the time. And it looks different for all of us. Uh, for some of us, stepping out in faith looks like saying yes to Jesus. It looks like saying, you know what, I've been flirting with church, I've been flirting with God, I've been flirting with this whole idea of, of you know, following the Lord. And your step of faith is to say, okay, God, I'm all in. For other of us, it's uh, you've just taken a step of faith and it's why you're living in Melbourne now. For others, you're going to be moving next year. And you're taking a step of faith and you're believing that the Lord's uh, called you and you're, and you're stepping out. And you know, I love stepping out in faith because there's only one person that can catch you. And it's the Lord. It's God. You know, when we, when we step out in our, in, our, in our own strength kind of thing, we're the one that catches us. When we step out in our friend's strength, when we step out in our bank account strength, when we step out and, you know, we catch ourselves. But man, I love being held by the Lord, hey? It's so good to be held by the creator of the universe and sustained by him. I remember when uh, the Lord first called me into ministry, uh, I was a very confused young 19-year-old and, uh, <laughs> and I'd just gotten drunk and that probably wasn't very smart of me and led worship with a hangover um, and so finished the service and I was just volunteering at my local church and leading worship and getting drunk and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, you can actually be saved but not fully surrendered. Yeah, so I think I was saved but I wasn't fully surrendered. I wasn't all in. And so um, anyway, hangover, headache, get, it, get done with leading worship and I just felt like the biggest hypocrite in the world. And I remember going for a run and just screaming and crying and just running. And you know those runs where you run and you didn't, you didn't know you could run that fast. 
but something about anger and condemnation and guilt and frustration and shame. Just, you're like, Aah! you ever done those, you know, those, those snotty runs, you know, where you're like, snotty, snotty, snot. Anyway, um, and so I find myself stopping and I'm right in front of this lake and I see this uh, weed in front of me. It just ticks me off that there's a weed blocking my view and I reach and I grab this weed and I pull it out and the Lord shows me Jeremiah chapter 1 where it says that behold I've called you you know, as a prophet to the nations. It says to uproot. And to tear down, you know, to plant. If you, if you don't know the passage, it's, it's a good one. Um, look it up, Jeremiah chapter 1. But it's Jeremiah being called into ministry. And I felt the Lord say, Andrew, because I was trying to get into medicine, which was part of the reason why I was super depressed and angry and frustrated because I couldn't get in. And I really wanted to make my girlfriend um, relationships work. And they weren't working. And it was like one thing after the other that wasn't happening. And... Um, and I felt the Lord say, Andrew, you're not going to be a doctor. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Why the heck did I leave home at the age of 16, move from Indonesia to Australia to study in Adelaide and miss out on my sisters growing up and miss out on fam- you know, all that family interaction um, if I wasn't going to be a doctor? He goes, you're not even going to be a nurse. I'm like, all right, now you're just a jerk because my parents are in the medical field and I really want to impress them and how am I going to impress them if I'm not in the medical field? And he goes, you're going to be a youth pastor. And I'm like, <laughs> what a joke. And, um, and, but I really felt it was the Lord. And so I kind of sat there and I was like, man, well, maybe the Lord's calling me into ministry. And uh, my phone rings. It's a guy in Adelaide, my cousin Brian, one of my best friends. And definitely at the time was like a hero to me. And Brian says, hey, Andrew, um, bit of a random one but I was just talking to my wife and I hadn't heard from this guy for about it had been about four or five months bit of a random one but uh just want to let you know uh my wife and I have been chatting we've been praying we've just been thinking about you and I don't know for some reason we just felt to say maybe you're not meant to be a doctor maybe you're not even meant to be a nurse we actually think you'd be a really good pastor and I was like that's funny the Lord was just saying the exact same thing and uh, I remember when I got my first full-time uh, ministry position, it was as a young adults pastor up at uh, Discovery. I did youth pastor in a volunteer capacity and then um, was standing at a urinal with a pastor by the name of Rowan Dredge over in Bali. You probably don't need those details, but there they are. And um, standing at the urinal and I was on a missions trip and I'd never met this guy before but he was part of this conference and part of this trip and maybe we'd said hi once or something and he just turns to me and he says you're called to full-time ministry or what and I'm like I think I am he goes then what are you doing about it and walks off you know and I'm like what am I doing about it I was caught with my pants down. Anyway, and so I was like, what do I do? And it really plagued me, you know, that the Lord was calling me to step out in faith. And so I set up a lunch meeting with him down at the Moo Bar in Moosabee, Moorabark. And uh, I said, Rowan, I'd like to have lunch with you. 
Now, he didn't know why I wanted to have lunch with him. And I sat there and I said to him, Rowan, there's a position as a young adults pastor at Discovery Church and I want it. Now, there was no position as a young adults pastor at Discovery Church as far as anyone knew, except that half an hour before lunch with Rowan Dredge, his young adults pastor walked into his office and resigned. So he drove from one young adults pastor resigning to me sitting opposite him at the Moobar saying, I want to be your young adults pastor. And he goes, well, I mean, if there was a position, uh, it sounds like you'd be interested in it. Okay, we're going to have to pray. <laughs> I just knew that, that I, I, I was going to have that job. And so became a young adults pastor up there and and then the Lord called us to plant a church over in America. And some of you know that story. And it was just unbelievable what he did. But he gave me the name of a city that I'd never heard of. Um, I was looking at a map. Basically a man, once again, a man said to me, Hey, you should plant a church in Southern California. And I said, not a chance. I said, that's the last thing I want to do. My wife's six months pregnant. We just bought a house. We just bought a demo car, which is a really bad idea if you're about to move because they depreciate by about $10,000 in a year. But anyway, found that out the hard way. And so I'm like, yeah, that's the last thing we want to do. We just bought a house. We just bought a car. We got a dog. We, you know, my wife's six months pregnant. It's not happening. And he says, well, if it's the Lord, you won't be able to say no. And just th a throwaway line from this pastor whose church I'm speaking at. And as I'm walking out, he says, uh, I, I just, it just stuck with me. And so all night that night, I was looking at a map of, of Southern California. And this city jumps out at me called Irvine. The next day, I have about 12 hours before my flight. So I wake up and I drive down to Irvine. When I get to the city limits, I just start weeping uncontrollably. All I can see is hills and buildings. I don't even see people. I just start weeping. And I know that the Lord is calling us to a city called Irvine to plant a church. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is, my wife is going to kill me. And so I go home and I tell my wife, um, hey, I think we're meant to plant a church in Southern California. And she's all like, sorry? <laughs> yeah, what? I said, uh, I, think the, I think the Lord's calling us. To, she's like, oh, six months pregnant. You, you, want, you want me to give birth to this baby and move to the other side of the country? I mean, world, <laughs> not country, world. I'm like, well, just pray about it. And she's praying about it. She says to the Lord, just a really simple one. She says, if this is of you, let my parents give the blessing. And she knew they wouldn't <laughs> in the natural. In the natural, there was no way that their first grandchild was going to be blessed to be taken over to the other. They were like hanging out for grandchildren. So we go over, we have a chat about this, and it's like World War Three. It's like, it's so ugly, and we get in the car, and there is definitely no blessing at all. And my wife goes, right, I'm really going to start praying now. Because you know, if you tell someone they can't do something, all of a sudden they want to do it. All of a sudden my wife is called. She's like looking up flights. She's like, oh, you think I can't plant a church? I can do anything. And so um, I will open the Bible at some point today, just so you know. They're like, mate, 
It's not therapy time. Like, get to the word. I will. It's all right. And so uh, my, my, my wife uh, and I go back and we have another conversation with her dad. And we had, Joyce describes it as the conversation, I actually get emotional thinking about it. She describes it as the conversation that she would want to have with her dad on his deathbed if she could have any conversation. It was like everything that she needed to hear from her dad, every apology that was needed between her and her dad, every healing word, everything just came out in this conversation. And in the end, he said to her, and about the America thing, I just want you to know you have our full blessing. And it was like, okay. So we get to America and my wife's like, this is great. We're here in America. We were living in Pasadena, which is a beautiful little town um, to begin with. And uh, my wife goes, I actually like Pasadena. I don't know if we should go to Irvine. So I said, well, let's go visit our friends for a weekend and we'll just pray. Is it really Irvine? Because Irvine's like uber expensive. Like I'm talking, uh, we rented, we ended up renting a two bedroom place. It's 2000 US a month. And that was for, so that's like 2728 Australian. And that was for a two bedroom place with a tiny bit of concrete for a backyard. And all of our neighbours were paying 2,500 US a month. I mean, it was so expensive. Um, it was redonkulous. It was like out of this world, like 40 grand Australian just for rent a year, like stupid town. And so, um, and so it was oh, maybe 35 grand Australian. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was, it was a heck of a lot. I don't know what the exchange rate was back then, but it was a lot of money. And so we're like, is it Irvine? So we go away. We're driving in the car. I'm telling these stories for a reason. We're driving in the car. And as we're driving, we're in this this, uh, Dodge Caravan minivan with this family from my school. And we're talking about, you know, look, we just need to get away and pray and all this. And we're going to a playground and all of a sudden this thought comes to me. Maybe it's the Lord, eh? Sometimes the Lord actually gives you thoughts. Um, You have the mind of Christ. It should be normal. And I have this thought, we should go to some redwoods instead of this playground. So I say to these guys in the middle of the drive, I say, can we go to some redwoods instead? They go, yeah, why not? Chuck a U-turn, go up a completely different road. We go somewhere we had not planned to go at all we pull up at these redwoods we're walking along and my wife I kid you not my wife turns to the girl next to me and she's and they're they're in the course of conversation I'm behind them and she says you know Andrew keeps banging on about how it's Irvine the Lord said Irvine but I just don't know if it's Irvine I really need a sign and right at that moment right in front of her she nearly steps on a hat and the hat says University of California Irvine now that is like stepping on a Box Hill TAFE hat in the hills of Adelaide when the Lord's calling you to Box Hill. Like it was like, it was, we were an eight hour drive away from the city that the Lord was calling us to. And here's this hat. There's only one university of, you know, California, Irvine in the country. It's like, it's the, and she's like, 
And the area I had told my wife I wanted to plant was right next to UC Irvine. I said, I want to reach the, the kids there at that, at that college. When I got my Youth for Christ role that I have now, uh, there was this girl, and she's my boss actually, the CEO, I should call her a woman, there was this woman, and uh, she was going to offer me the role, I, I currently work for Youth for Christ here in Australia, she was going to offer me the role for the job and I told my wife I'm not going to take it, I don't like restrictions, and I was like, I don't really want to work for a you know, big ministry with a job description and all this. And she was going to offer me the role on the Friday and on the Friday I said to my wife, she's going to offer me the role and I'm not going to take it. Well, the Lord spoke to her. She's up in Brisbane. Just gave her a thought, just a thought. Don't offer him the role yet. Wait till Monday. So she doesn't call me on Friday. I think that's a little bit odd. Saturday morning at about 6 a.m., the Lord woke me up and just a thought, just a whisper. Andrew... Youth for Christ are going to offer you the role and you have to say yes. This was on Saturday. Now, I didn't know the back end of the story at this point. It wasn't until weeks later after I'd accepted the role that she told me that she was going to offer me on Friday, but the Lord said offer on Monday. Well, on Monday I accepted, but if she'd offered on Friday, I would have never accepted. Lord just has the timing just right. And I asked the Lord, what do I, what do I share today? And I felt the Lord wanted to um, remind us that he has what it takes when it comes to the call of God on your life. And it kind of just flowed out because they both have A's and I like the English language. But I'm talking about Africa or Audi. You know, I'm talking about your neighbour across the sea or your neighbour across the street. I'm talking about forgiving someone who offended you. I'm talking about forgiving someone who abused you. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. The Lord has what it takes. And you have what it takes because you are in him and he is in you. You have what it takes, my friend, to step out in faith into what God is calling you to do. And if you have already recently stepped out in faith to what God is calling you to do, I want to encourage you that he can sustain you and he will. He's that good. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans. Oh, we love Romans. We're going to be in chapter 4. Oh, I had a total mind explosion, like my brain went, whoa, that's so good. The other morning sitting at the kitchen table uh, when I read this, oh, it just excited me so much. Is it wrong that I'm drinking coffee mid-sermon? Is that like... (laughs) Did anyone ever watch that show, that YouTube clip, Christian Hipster How To? So funny, back in the day, oh. Just checking what time it is, 11.40, so I've got about another hour. That's why I'm having the coffee, because I don't want to fall asleep. If you fall asleep, you've got an excuse. I'm joking. It's okay. Everyone's like, if he goes for another hour, I'm going to kill him. I'll just start punching him. 
All right. Are we good? All right. Oh, it's a day of... It's a day... Oh, what's going to happen today? I just... I can see it. I can see the Lord is going to minister. It's going to be great. All right. We ready? We're going to jump into Romans 4. And we'll go... Look, we'll start at verse 13. I've got heaps of scripture, so I'll... Do a bit of scripture, a bit of paraphrase, bit of, we'll have a bit of fun. All right. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there's no transgression. That is why it depends on... Everyone say it if you've got the ESV. Hopefully everyone else translated it right as well. That is why it depends on faith. Say it again. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he, my one says, believed. Faith. Believed. Who gives life to the dead. Oh, he gives life to the dead. (laughs) And he calls into existence the things that do not exist. Stop. Just, how do you keep reading? He calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, this is now talking about Abraham, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Another word for barrenness is the death of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. Just set up who we're actually talking about, what we're actually talking about. Because some of you may be going, Abraham, I'm kind of familiar with it. I don't really know what you're talking about. Can we just turn to Genesis really quickly? We are in Genesis chapter... I know it's here somewhere. My marker has fallen out. Do you like that? There it is. Okay. Good. So we're talking about Abraham and the promise that the Lord made him. So it says here, uh, Genesis 15. All right, we've got it. Genesis 15. The Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. The heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son 
shall be your heir. And he brought him outside, looked towards heaven at the number of stars, if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. All right, we'll go back to Romans. Can I just point something out here? Because this is really fun. Abraham is not having a conversation with God about his sin. He's not having a conversation with God about heaven or hell. He's not having a conversation with God about these these issues of justification, of righteousness. He's having a conversation with God about, can you bring what's dead to life? Can you give me this, this, these offspring, this promise? And God says, I can. Check out the stars. This is how numerous your descendants will be. And Abraham says, I'll back you. Not in those words. He says, yep, all right, I believe you. says he believed God. And what happens? It's counted as righteousness. He becomes righteous. He's accredited righteousness because he believed God. Believed God for what? He believed God that that which was dead could come to life. That which wasn't could be spoken into existence. And this is one of the the beautiful things about the, the... the truth of the righteousness of who we are in Christ Jesus is that you don't strive to become righteous. You receive righteousness by faith. You simply believe that you are what God says you are and then you are righteous. It's unbelievable. And often what happens in the Old Testament is it's a shadow of what's to come in the new. And I love that a physical like dead womb, a physically you know, as good as dead man can believe God and it's counted to him as righteousness and the promise comes to pass simply through faith and simply through belief, he's counted as righteous. And then Jesus comes and he makes us the righteousness of God in him through our faith and through our belief. And I feel like this message is kind of a bit of a double-edged sword because I've got this question for you. Do you believe that God can do in you the impossible today. That he can take a dead person and bring them to life. That he can take someone separated from God and bring them into relationship with God and take them from sinner to saint, from unrighteous to righteous, guilty to fully justified in him. Because if you do believe that, wow, you are now so ready to step out and into the great things of God that he has for your life. If you're not yet a Christian here today, I invite you to give your life to Jesus because he will call out the dead person that's sitting in the chair right now and he will bring you to life. Once you were dead, once you were a slave to sin, but guess what? Now you get to be a slave to righteousness. You get to come to life. And if you do call yourself a Christian, I want you to be reminded today That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you don't earn it, you simply believe it. And if you will believe God for you, I reckon just maybe you can believe God for your descendants. I reckon just maybe you can believe God for others. I reckon just maybe you can actually step out into the impossible. 
And that is what we see Abraham does. It's just stunning. Now, let me make a note, if you're familiar with the story, Abraham kind of compromises in his, in his journey. I know what that's like. We actually made a couple of compromises in our America journey that didn't go too well. <laughs> and like one of, the, one of the compromises was the Lord said, don't take a position, take a partnership with this particular church. And we took a position because the money was too alluring, like the security of the money. And, um, and that was the church that resulted in us losing our visa and having to come home. But I always say that God actually used what the enemy intended for bad to be the greatest thing for us. Because us coming home means that we're here. But more than that, it meant that the Lord was able to do a deep work in my heart. Aside from church planting and big positions and all of this, it was just me and him and it was beautiful. And I touch on that to say this. There are some people here and you feel like you've compromised the call of God and I want you to know that God is faithful. I want you to know that God can still bless it. It says in Genesis, we won't go there because of time, but it says in Genesis that when Abraham ended up marrying and sleeping with uh, Sarai's servant, just making sure I got this right, um, she, she was treated harshly, she ran away, and the Lord actually met with her and spoke to her. And the Lord said to Abram that he would bless her offspring, but that the covenant would come through his own child with Sarai. And I share that to say, the Lord can take your compromise because of his great compassion and his great mercy, and he can still use it for good. And one of the biggest lies the enemy will seek to kill, steal, and destroy you with is that because you compromised, you miss out. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Because God is so good that he will even take you. You know, there's people, I, I've met people and they're like, the Lord called me to be a missionary of the Philippines when I was in my 20s and I said no and so I missed the call of God on my life. That is a lie from hell. He is faithful. He's able to work all things together for good. Now, did he call you? Yeah. Did you compromise? Yeah. Are you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Yeah. Are you a new creation? Is, is his mercy new every morning? Yeah. Yeah. So trust him and get back in the race. All right. Oh, I'm going to begin to wrap up. Are we good? Is this okay? I just... just you know, I feel like I just a little slappy, slappy, slap, 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 slap. But it's good. You know, when a heart surgeon is doing surgery on a patient, the patient always, they don't realise it because they're under sedative, but they're always quite uncomfortable. But they're knocked out, so they don't realise how uncomfortable they are. And the reality is that when a heart surgeon's doing surgery on a patient, if the patient woke up mid-surgery, they would probably punch the surgeon in the head. And yet every single person that gets through heart surgery successfully looks at their heart surgeon and says, thank you. And I just want to encourage you, if the Lord's like, mm, 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 today, 
He's only doing it because he's madly in love with you and he wants you to live life and life to the full. So Romans 5, we're going to jump into that. Oh, it's so good. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. I love that Abraham believed against hope. He's like, he's like I need hope against hope. Like It's like... This is so impossible and yet it's possible. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. How has God's love been poured into our hearts? <laughs> Glad you asked. It's answered here. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak. Anyone feeling weak? Anyone feeling like it might be a little bit impossible? I don't know what I'm doing. How's he going to catch me? How's he going to sustain me? This is a crazy call. This is uncomfortable. While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. I love this because it just reminds us of the character and the nature of God. That while Abram is compromising and he's got this woman that wasn't the one that the Lord had been speaking about blessing the, you know, the nations through and all this. And, he, and he's sleeping with this girl and he's, you know, he's doing what he's doing. It says that he came into him. We know that they, you know, and she has a baby. And while he's in this mess of compromise, the Lord's going... Dying for you. My son's coming for you. I've got the best for you. I can work this out. The descendants, covenant, blessing is still going to come through you, Abram. So many of us, we think, well, maybe he hung up on that cross with the view that one day I'd turn out all right. So we figured it was worth it. You know, like maybe he hung up on that cross naked and beaten and bloodied because he was like, Danny's going to earn this. I just know it. He'll do three years at Bethel. And he's thinking, he's thinking, while Danny was at Bethel, I died for him. <laughs> he's thinking, you know, like, while you were... The altogether mother, I died for you. While you were kicking goals as a husband, I died for you. No, no, it says while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were weak, the right time. He's so good, isn't he? It's just like... 
It's like, really, God, in that sin? In that weakness? You take that hit for me in that moment? I'd burn me in hell. <laughs> but instead, oh, he's so good. He's so good. So, oh, I have notes in here somewhere. I was going to say something of significance. Hang on. There they are. Three things. <laughs> oh, have faith in his righteousness. Receive his love through the Holy Spirit and back your new self. A lot of people, the Lord speaks to us and we don't back ourselves because we think, oh, maybe they're just my thoughts. Maybe it's just my dream. Maybe it's, you've been given the mind of Christ. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What if that thought, that Irvine, that they're going to offer you the job, I want you to take it, that you're a great mum, that you're doing good, I love you, that hey, give your life to me. What if it's God? I reckon it's worth listening to him. And backing your new self. Back those thoughts. Right, so this is what we're going to do. Um, oh, yes, Simon's going to come up. I'm just backing my new self, okay? Simon's going to come up. He's going to jump on the keyboard for a moment. And he's going to do like an altar call appropriate version of the conquer thing that you started singing before. If you can remember it, because I know it was spontaneous. Was something about how he's conquered it all or something? You probably don't remember it because it was spontaneous. That's all right. The Lord will lead you in whatever. It's going to be good. And, um, oh, I'm getting really messed up at the thought of the freedom that's going to come in the room and the love. It's really good. So, we basically never do this, and I really hope the Seventh Day Adventist beautiful community that we love and honour will forgive me for doing this. But I raided one of their cupboards for a cross. We don't usually have the cross out. I don't know why, but we just don't. But we do today, so that's good. Because I felt the Lord say the cross was going to be significant in, in, um, in today. And I... I believe that there are people in this room and the Lord has called you to something and you're just scared. But the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And I love what it says here in Romans where we were just then. It says... Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So this is my invitation to you today. I want to invite you to come to the cross and to allow the love of God that while you are still sinners, that while you're weak, he died for you. 
I want you to allow the love of God to, through the Holy Spirit just to flood you this morning. And I just believe as you come to the cross, fear will leave and faith will rise up in such a way that you will walk out of this space today and you'll go to Africa and you'll go to Aldi and you'll go to your husband or you'll go to your wife or you'll go to your children or you'll go to your neighbours you'll go to Asia wherever it is, whatever it is but I believe unless we spend time at the cross it's just no point, eh? like we just can't do it If you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, I want you to come to the cross and I want you to turn to to someone around you. You can come to me if you'd like and say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. Because it starts there. And then from there, we get to live out the new creation life that was already purchased for us. And I just take authority over any shame, guilt or condemnation that's in this room and I smash its power in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free. Indeed. You became righteous and now you get to discover what that looks like. But if your reality isn't lining up with His righteousness, it's not that you're not righteous. You've got to discover a little bit more of what that looks like because you are righteous. You are forgiven. You are a son. You are a daughter. So um, Kaz and Glenn will just move a couple of chairs out of the way. We're just going to leave some space just to come to the cross. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that by simply saying yes, by simply having faith that you can bring what is dead to life, you can bring what is not in existence to existence, you would call us righteous. And you would bless us with the promise that you spoke, even despite any compromise or mess in between. And we thank you that we are living proof that the Lord acts when the Lord speaks. And we grew up, many of us singing, Father Abraham had many sons, I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. And we thank you, God, that you are faithful. So we ask right now through your Holy Spirit that you would flood us with your love, that all fear would leave and we would walk in the promises of God. We would allow you to catch us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. When you're ready, you can just come to the cross.